Like yesterday, I got called into the parking lot by the police. So I like left my station, went to the parking lot and some person had like fell between the cars. What? (laughs) The nurses were dragging the stretcher outside and we were slamming into all the doors, which they newly remodeled. Maybe we shouldn't put that in there because now they know who broke the doors. (laughs) But (laughs) Sounds like a scene from Grey's Anatomy. My gosh, too much. I'm so exhausted. Well... Then on that note, we'll talk about something completely different than the ED. Unless maybe you have some stories about this topic in the ED, which would be interesting. So (laughs) hello, everyone. Welcome to Bundle of Hers. We have myself, Margo, Lena, and Lean in the virtual studio today. Yeah. Today, I wanted to talk about body hair, body hair removal, uh, makeup and sort of those kinds of things, how they relate to our identities. But I thought it'd be fun to start off by sharing an embarrassing story because I think we all have embarrassing, relatable, unfortunate stories about body hair removal. So <laughs> I will start. Um, all right. When I was in college and I was like newly single and in a sorority and all the sorority girls were saying, setup is already set up. <laughs> <laughs> set up is all there. Like what else can we say? Set up for, you know, a good time. Um, and through the chit chat of this new social group that I had found myself in, I learned that the only way a man will do anything with you is if your pubic hairs are shaved off and like, you know, perfectly groomed and whatnot. And I was like, oh no. So then I was invited to this you know just normal like dinner casual conversation totally fine (laughs) in a sorority of course this like feels like what every sorority movie starts out like okay (laughs) so somehow i find myself in the basement of this like house that's being rented by some like seniors and um, who has like a home waxing kit and <laughs> like we do the whole thing oh, no. and <laughs> it's like some weird torture in the basement. Oh my God. <laughs> it was a lot. It hurt so bad. And it was not done in the most sanitary way because then I got lots of folliculitis. Oh my God. Margo. But all of that to say, I think I have gone to great lengths to remove hair from my body and often felt like a strong need to do so, whether it was shaving or waxing or even like considering like laser hair removal. But I think in our, in conversations that I've had with you all before, this is not just related to me. I think we all think about body hair a lot. And it's one of the things that has been really hard for me to unlearn and like understand where I had been socialized to have these negative ideas about body hair, but also like, why is it so hard for me to unlearn these things, I guess. But anyways, I wanted to open the floor to either you, Lean, or Lena, if you have any stories or... Yes, Margo, I have a story for you guys. And it's kind of like when I first noticed that, oh, I'm ashamed of my body hair, you know, and I it was in the eighth grade. It was the first year that we were here in the US. There was gym class. And I've never done gym class back home. And I... Someone gave me just random shorts 
just to like participate in this gym class. And I remember stepping out. It took me a while because I wasn't used to like wearing shorts in public. And I remember stepping out into the, I guess, the the room or whatever. And people were playing dodgeball. And then everyone just pauses and stares at me, like pin drop silence. And they all just like stare at my legs. And one boy commented, he's like, I didn't know that girls could grow hair like that. Rude. That's disgusting. And ever since then, I feel like I'm different. This is something that I need to change. This is something that I need to be aware of. And I knew that like body hair removal was a thing. But in my mind, it was like, oh, that's just something that grown ups do. That's just something that I will eventually do as a grown up. You know, it's expected. It's kind of like what everyone does. But I think I didn't expect to be exposed to that or to feel that much shame at such a young age. Ever since then, it's just been also like a really hard thing to not feel shame about and whether like hair on your legs or like eyebrow, like extra hair that are like not perfect eyebrows around or even like hair on your face. And it's just all this stuff that I have a hard time being okay with since then. And it's just wherever I go, I feel like it's always something that weighs on me in a sense. I feel that too. The common denominator for our two stories, Lena, are doing it for like men, right? Or boys, like Mm -hmm. this idea of like who, who's critiquing our bodies and our hair and making us feel that way. Yeah. I guess like as a, a girl growing up in a very Middle Eastern traditional household and especially raised in the West. So, you know, there's a lot more quote unquote protective measures that I think our families were trying to secure us from in the sense of not being too westernized or at the same time, like, um, you know, the whole modesty picture. It's interesting because I think it was like around 14, 15. It was definitely middle school where a lot of people in the class, it was kind of the time where like girls would talk about like all the types of ways they would like shave their hair and like all these it was mostly like focused on shaving, if anything. And I remember like the boys in the class one time were like asking the girls to like see their legs to make sure that they're like hairless and things like that. It was just these weird, stupid shenanigans in middle school that absolutely set the standard for bullying and things like that further. And so I remember being like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be the hairy person. Granted, I am raised in Southern Utah as a Middle Eastern woman and hair is kind of <laughs> genetically um, dominant with us. And so it I remember comes thinking the territory comes with the territory. Right. And I remember like it was the time it was like the 2000s when like the skinny eyebrows were like in trend. And I have like really thick eyebrows, which have done me glorious wonders now in the late 2020s where everybody wants, you know, thick eyebrows. But I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I want to shave my legs. I want to have thin eyebrows. Like I don't want to be looked down as like, oh my gosh, the ugly person because she has so much hair. Of course, my mom was like, uh, no, we don't do that. And I was like, yes, I do. I want to. And you know, this is kind of where I'm trying to refer back to the whole being raised in a Middle Eastern family. They never explain why. <laughs> it's just, no, you can't do that. <laughs> um, so I remember just like sneaking into the bathroom one time 
locked the door and I just tweezed my eyebrows. I took that unibrow right off and it, I did it right before I went to school. So I know that she can't like, you know, my mom can't stop me because I'd be late for school. <laughs> so I did this. All right. You know, 5 a.m. Let's go. Right. So as I'm leaving, she noticed that and she was like, wait, 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 what? Like, let me see your face. And I was like, no, there's nothing. She's like, let me see your face. <laughs> I like ran into the car and I was like, we're good. Let's go. You know? <laughs> and she was like, why? Why do you have to do this? Why do you have to do this? You're still young. You're still young. And I never understood what that meant. Right. I was like, what do you mean still young? If I have the hair, I have the hair, like get rid of it. Right. I just kind of took it onto my own like control. And she's like, fine, well, just never shave. Shaving's bad for you. That's a man thing. Instead, we wax. What? And it's not like wax, like paper wax. It's like the sugar lemon mix wax. So she likes taught me how to make my own like sugar wax eventually. Anyway, to this day, like she's never actually given me like we never like talk about how we get rid of hair and things like that. But I've definitely just kind of developed my own methods per se and choose what I like. And I'm constantly going to the threader. Like I freaking love threading. But I'm just thinking like, it's crazy how much we focus so much on hair to status, to age, to sexuality. Like, come on, like get over it. It's freaking protein. Like, get out. <laughs> you know, like who gives like anything about it? My biggest argument I remember growing up was the protein coming out of your face is the same protein coming out of my head. So leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know? you know, what's interesting, Lean, is that there, I don't know if you knew this, but there are poems like Palestinian poems talking about how sexy a unibrow is on a woman. And it's just, I'm like, when did that stop being a thing? When did we get here? How did oh, we you get know, here? You know? maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, like hair removal genuinely is rooted in, first of all, patriarchy. As we all described, we've done these acts of hair removal, mostly for the like intent of male gaze or like that's how we heard about it right and and the surprising thing is like all three of us and i'm sure it's common for many people is this is, came to us in middle school through like talking amongst our peers and so it's just like a, a thing and like lean with you your mom didn't like really have a formal conversation with you about it but it was something that was just like expected or not there were like rules that you didn't know and you had to figure out <laughs> you're too young to do this I'm like okay but my unibrow ain't saying anything about being young <laughs> it's right there yeah so and i think that shaped me in a way to be super conscious and self-conscious of my body hair and like constantly doing the mental labor of like, when do I need to shave? When do I need? How does this look? How does that look? And like, that, the fact that I even shaved in the first place, having like blonde hair on my legs is the stupidest thing I can even think of. Like, why did I even do that? <laughs> There's so much variability. And yet we're all expected to be boxed into this standard. And I want to kind of talk about where the standard came from. And my first question is, I want to talk about and like, highlight do you guys have any like recollection of your mothers or grandmothers or other people in your life that maybe like embraced their body hair or absolutely not <laughs> Fair. I'll, all i remember is my mom making the sugar wax and then just like and i'd be like why the heck is she doing that you know and she'd be like you know just like ripping it off her arm and like, oh my Fair. gosh my poor mom i swear she's probably like mortified i'm even talking about this on here i feel like it was before our mother's times and maybe before our grandmother's times but i've heard of it and unfortunately yeah like you mentioned colonization came in and standards of beauty of new beauty came in and changed that but it's interesting how far away like it traces back to mm -hmm. 
And so I went to do some learning and unlearning about how colonization, patriarchy, imperialism, all basically all the bad things <laughs> that we talk about, um, has influenced, um, body hair removal and how we perceive body hair in sort of this Western colonized view of beauty is a loke. Um, and that's, they're on Instagram. They're an author, a comedian, just a great resource. And that's A-L-O-K on Instagram. And I highly recommend you go follow them and support them. They have amazing content. They do book reviews on a lot of critiques of the gender binary. And so a lot of the information that I'll be talking about here is from three different book reviews that Alok did. Um, one is from the book Hope in a Jar, The Making of American's Beauty Culture. Another one is women with mustaches and men without beards. And the third is plucked a history of hair removal. And basically from this information, there's data to suggest that almost more than 99% of women or people who identify as women in the U.S. voluntarily remove their body hair. And this wasn't always the trend. Like you're saying, Lena, maybe before our grandmother's times, it was not the norm to do this. And it kind of started in the early 1900s when there was an effort to, of men, <laughs> of course, to make women hair removal mandatory, like make it mandatory for women to remove hair as a way, as a sign of like racial and social progress, because a lot of quote unquote scientific people at the time who we know were not <laughs> real scientists. Yeah. The evidence-based <laughs> medicine that. was uh, not that strong back then. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, that it was a, a way to differentiate the white supremacy views and like bodies as better and like a physiological marker. Like if you didn't have hair, it was a sign of racial progress. And so they started to like implement that women, especially white women be taking all the hair off their body. And so then I think that also trickled into influencing other cultures around the world that were maybe trying to westernize and or being colonized. So that was that was kind of how it started, which isn't surprising, right? <laughs> like it's also the same with makeup. And I know we kind of started talking about body hair, but in a way I think makeup has had the same trajectory for me. Like also in middle school, I heard other girls talking about putting on mascara and wearing makeup. And I had these ideas of like, if I just wore mascara, I would finally be beautiful, right? It's like the cure-all to putting on makeup and other ways to sort of mask our natural beauty in a sense. And so it also shapes the way I thought about myself and think about myself. Makeup also used to be considered a sign of racial inferiority, right? By these so-called scientists, because when they came here and native peoples to the Americas were having their faces painted in different ways. And also in other cultures around the world, it was thought of as not the white ideal. But then all of this shifted when photography became mainstream and, and magazines were a big thing. And then of course, white people with, you know, flash and photography are looking like ghosts. So what are you going <laughs> to do? You got to put makeup on and make them look better. So um, then everything shifted to like the focus on like body hair and make. And so then instead of like face paint, it was like rebranded as makeup, right? 
the whole thing of it is this is all driven by men and driven by their bullshit ideas about race. So <laughs> I don't know. Do we, I want to open the floor to you guys. But perpetrated by women, right? Yes. Yes. And that wife. is like a huge problem. And I think that's like, you know, among each other, we tend to say like, I mean, I don't know. We've all experienced it. Like, oh, well, this person had this or this person, you know, point out the unibrows. We'll be like, why don't you take this off? Why don't you do this? Why don't you try that? So, I mean, even though the standards were initially um, maybe set by men and what men thought were perceived as like attractive and or sexually attractive, whatever, and it is women who continue to also perpetrate it. And I think it's not going to stop until we kind of, in a sense, stop it for ourselves I think it's not a matter of like or not like hair removal. I think it's a matter of stigmatizing the presence of the hair, right? We've seen people, mostly, I guess, women, they'll like, they'll keep their under, like the underarm hair. Sometimes I've seen um, images of them dyeing it as well. Mm -hmm. And people just automatically think, ew, that's gross. Oh, that's so unsanitary. Ew, you know, and it goes back to that whole idea of why does it's not truly unsanitary. It's not like there's more dirt there or anything like that. For the love of God, that would go the same thing with your head. Your head has more hair than your underarm, right? Right. And it has more to do with the fact that back then these scientists or the, you know, the people of power within each society, mostly men, referred to this as a woman being unsanitary, unclean, unkept. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy how much that that's been now embedded in our thoughts that people automatically think that. Yeah. I don't know. I just think like, why do humans focus on something so trivial? What are we going to do? Like pluck out our eyelashes next? Like get out of here. Oh, yeah. and the nose hair. Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started. That's like the <laughs> weirdest one. Yeah. I'm like, nobody's looking up. First of all, those like, they're totally different function. Anyway. Oh, I wonder if we'd have like better viral protection if we had more I know. <laughs> nose hair. Um, and I think it still continues today. And it, like you said, lean, it is driven by ourselves, like by everyone in society. And when I think about decolonizing or unlearning this idea of body hair and body hair removal, it's been really difficult for me because I'll try to, you know, not shave my armpits and then I'll go in the summer to the pool and I will be like mortified. And I don't know how to get over that. I think it just shows how deeply ingrained it is and how much we all were socialized to sort of police each other's bodies to fitting into this model as well. And I think it comes back to its original purpose, which was to oppress and, you know, organize society in a certain way that the white men wanted it to be. So, I mean, even thinking about just kind of removing hair, I think about kind of depigmentation that happens with people who are more colored or um, brown or black people. And it's just a very real thing that happens. And it's even like the appearance of hair, not necessarily hair that's looked down upon. You have all these things like whitening creams and like to get rid of the darkness. And it just goes back to kind of that, <laughs> that racism that comes to the point that we need to try to be white. We need to be perfect. No imperfections, meaning that hair and darkness is imperfect. And it's just constantly this cycle that we're trying to get to, quote unquote, the perfect image, which is very racist and problematic in origin. Mm -hmm. I think it ultimately has to start from a very young age, because if you think about it, like the things that really stick with us the most in terms of like a brainwashing sense, whether you do it consciously 
or unconsciously, I'm talking more of the unconscious part. Like, for instance, you're going to this pool and you were like, why do I care so much? Right. Mm -hmm. This usually starts more from a younger age. Right. And, And if you think back to it, the very first instance of when hair this hair was quote unquote introduced to me as problematic was among the other children that I was hanging with, right? Was among my classmates, was in schools in this like preteen kind of like pre-puberty kind of era, right? And it was never introduced as something as as hormones start to like change or like, you know, your body starts to change, you're going to start developing this hair and whatever, like this is what it is. Don't be freaked out. It wasn't ever introduced first as that. It was always introduced first as some kid saw my leg and was like, now spread rumors, lean has hairy legs. Or, oh my gosh, can you believe that girl has a unibrow? Or, oh my gosh, this girl has a mustache. Like that's how it was always first introduced. And I don't know where those kids got that idea. And it's probably media. And it's probably the amount of how much we like go anywhere, go to any mall, go up in any magazine, go turn on the TV. It's always these like very perfectly groomed, appearing, thin, quote unquote, women with perfectly clear skin with not even hair follicles showing, right? Like they have been photoshopped to the point that they are just like clay, right? Like there's nothing there. So obviously, if that's the image of what beauty looks like, anything opposite to that, anything to damage that idea is going to be called unsanitary or gross. And that's not going to change from an adult standpoint necessarily. I think it's now something you have to teach the kids mm-hmm. to start recognizing because that's where the deepest cuts occur. You know, if you're a freaking preteen and all these people are talking about your hair, that's it. Like you're forever going to be damaged about this. Doesn't matter if you're 10 or if you're 50, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I cannot have my hair showing. Even in like the healthcare field, when I have patients, I'm in the emergency room, an emergency room resident doctor, and patients don't necessarily plan to come groom to me or anything like that. And I don't expect that. And I'll have people apologizing to me like, oh, I'm so sorry about my legs. Oh, I'm so sorry. about." I'm like, mm-hmm. you're here for a medical emergency. I do not care. Like, And it's not that I should care and I don't care. Like, I just think it's so crazy how like you can be dying, but this is what they care about. <laughs> you're worried about. Wow, like, this is really oh, deep. Like, this is a deep psyche, you know? Oh, yeah. Going to your point, Lean, about kind of what the standard image of beauty is, I think about my curly hair and how much I hated it. Even in kindergarten, I hated my hair. It was not kind of the straight flowy hair that everyone loved and talked about. It was just very unruly. It was all over the place. It looked like back then I was called a broom head, but now I say it's rays of sunshine around my head because I love my hair. But it took me a very, very, very long time to love my hair. And even like maybe up to like the last couple of years, because that was not the standard. And unfortunately, it took a lot of people loving curly hair to me being like, Oh, wait, my hair's so pretty. I like it. But I had to wait for society to approve of my hair to be like, Oh, I really like my hair in a sense. And it was not something that I approved of back then, even at such a young age. Yeah, it's just, I mean, same thing from fourth grade all the way up until 17 years old. So 11th grade, I straightened my hair every day. And if there was a curl in my hair, I was mortified to leave the house. And I would just sit there being so self-conscious all day if my hair was not straight. You know, straight hair is not necessarily something that is genetically found per se in Mediterranean genes. It's just tends to run in very specific regions. Same thing with body hair, same thing with light hair, dark hair, all these things, right? It's just crazy how much like that era in time, we just like really force ourselves to fit into this perfect model of what an attractive person looks like. 
being here in the U.S., it was expected at that preteen age that you should be like trying to make yourself look like the ideal attractive person. Where in the Middle Eastern, from my Middle Eastern culture, it was that is what attraction looks like. And you should not do that. My mom or people I hear like the older generation be like, you should not like fix your eyebrows until you're married. It's like, okay, you're still perpetrating the same idea that attraction is for men, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And attraction is very set standard. And this is what they like, even though you're trying to be modest by preventing us to do it. Super strange. It's a paradox. Yeah. And and I want to go back to something you said earlier, Lean, which was even in amongst our peers as uh, middle schoolers or as adults and or with our parents, we never talked about the fact that body hair is natural and how it becomes more of a, you know, it's like part of puberty and part of something that we need that we're, our bodies just have. That's never part of the conversation, but also so interesting that this ideal of the beauty standard is hairless, which is prepubescent, right? And if that's what oh is like, gosh, quote, attractive is this prepubescent oh. body, right? It's very disturbing from that sense. Emotional and damage. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Damage. What is but wrong with true, people? Right? Like, why is hairless the standard? I think part of that stems from like the pornography industry where they needed to have hairless women or bodies so they could see things with the camera. You're right. Like, it's an industry. It's an industry. It's the fashion industry. It's the oppressive woman beauty standard industry. And it's very. And it's capitalism, right? Like, everything we spend to try to remove hair. So I think like we've all talked about, we have taken steps to sort of unlearn these deeply rooted and socialized ideas about our body hair and and whether we should remove it or not. And like, if we are removing it, is it for us or who is it for? And what are those ideals rooted in? I will say just another funny story to end on. I had mom life. I hadn't shaved my legs in so long. And um, it's winter now. So I was wearing pants, but I was wearing like three quarter pants that were showing my ankles. And I was working with teenagers in um, child psychiatry, like outpatient, you know, oh, no. um, day treatment <laughs> program. And I was sitting there and then I just like got triggered, like back to middle school, like, oh my God, they're all staring at my ankles. They're all like looking at my leg hair. And it was so fascinating how much that, like just being around that younger age when I started being mentally socialized and groomed for body hair removal is that when I started to feel like, oh my God, I need to shave my legs. And so that kind of is what prompted me to want to have this discussion with you all. And I think it's one that uh, we'll all continue to keep having off of the podcast and unlearning and you know, Lena, like with you learning to love your hair took years and years and years. And I think this is something that also will take me years and years and years, (laughs) hopefully not too many, but to like fully be comfortable in my own true natural body. But you know what honestly made it much more eye-opening to me that it is something that you can still be very feminine per se, if that's what you identify with in that sense, is that seeing confident women who are still put together, who are very like, you know, very professional in a sense, very like strong having that. I don't know. Like I just remember throughout my years, like I'll meet women, like whether it's working or whatever. 
and they will be dressed in the fanciest clothes, but they still like maybe their legs are not completely all shaven in the sense like you can still see like whether it's ankle pants and things like that. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it's a sign of being a woman. And I think that's very elegant. And I think that's very classy. And I think it's very that started making me more confident per se, especially around the younger like generation, younger kids per se. When they see that, they do stare. You kind of notice. But as long as you're confident in it, then they're just like, wow, look at her like be totally mature because that's what I want to be. I want to be like mature, right? That's what they all strive for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you both brought it up. I think a big part of it, it is deeply rooted. It is something that we kind of try to fight every day, whether we remove body hair or not. But I think a big thing of it is destigmatizing it. I mean, I don't know. I feel like lately on TikTok, I feel I've been getting a lot of videos about people just like natural beauty, natural hair, and really showing like all the pores in their face and all like the facial hair and the leg hair and just feeling very, very confident in themselves. And honestly, that helps. That helps seeing that. That helps how I think about it. And it just more and more people are trying to destigmatize it and feel more comfortable in their body and comfortable in their hair. And I think that definitely is what we can all work on day by day. It's not perfect, but I think just feeling confident in who we are and what we have is a big key to it. And also teaching our kids like this is okay. This is natural. This is part of your body. Mm -hmm. Representation and existence is resistance, right? So show your body hair, love your body hair. And that's how we're going to smash the patriarchy, the capitalism and (laughs) everything else that's bad about this world. (laughs) Thank you both for having this conversation with me and being vulnerable, sharing your embarrassing stories and letting me share mine. Um, To our listeners, I hope that you also have learned something or if you have a story to share, um, please check us out at Bundle of Hers on Instagram. Um, We'd love to continue the conversation there and keep listening to us. I don't know. What are we saying these days? (laughs) Download our podcast. Listen to us wherever you listen. Yeah, there we go. Listen to us wherever you download your podcast. (laughs) Keep listening to season six because it's going to be amazing. And until next time. Bye. Bye. Yay, Lena. (laughs) I'm going to make you redo it. I just have a feeling. 